This is The Reprise, a Young Artists of America alumni podcast. I'm your host, Adima Essien, and today's guests are Rachel Hahn, a DC-based opera singer and voice teacher, and Wesley Dina, a DC-based performer and educator. Let's start our chat. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Wesley. Hello. Hi, Adima. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, the first question that I wanted to ask you both is to take you back to where it all started. How did you first get involved with the performing arts or music theater? After you, Rachel. Okay. <laughs> I actually goes like way, way back. My preschool had a dance studio like in the building. They rented space there. So little baby Rachel at like three years old was dancing with this dance studio. And then, I don't know, somebody mentioned like the musical theater center and they were doing like a little like workshop thing for little kids. And from there it went, I've done literally nothing else my entire life. (laughs) How about you, Wesley? Uh, Well, I come from a really musical family. And then also the non-musical parts of my family are very arts centric. Um, and I think like most of us in in the performing arts, we have performer personalities. So that helped along the way. Um, in particular, my grandparents were a big musical influence. They actually met in their college marching band Aww. where they played together. And then kind of all through their lives, they, they played their instruments together all the way up until having a, a community band in their retirement home. So my grandfather was always a big proponent of the arts. My siblings and I all played instruments, uh, which is where I feel like it really all started for me, which was um, I was an instrumentalist first. I played violin and then piano, which led to singing. And I did acting separately, which came through um, a lot of support from my dad, actually, who just saw this interest. And I got started with that at Glen Echo in Maryland. So not too far away. And like Rachel, it hasn't stopped since. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd love to hear about how you both uh, got involved with YAA. So I must have been like eighth or ninth grade. I was looking for a new voice teacher and my mom saw an ad in like Facebook or the <laughs> newspaper or something for YAA's production of um, Phantom of the Opera. And she was like, oh, like you have a couple of friends in this. Like you should audition or we should go see it or whatever. And I was like, hmm. Like, I don't know, I've never heard of this program. Like, I don't know, but we'll go see it. And I remember sitting, it was in the Churchill Auditorium. And I remember sitting in the audience and like they have the the overture that plays after, I guess it's after the this auction scene. And they had this big white drape over in front of the orchestra. And the orchestra started playing as the chandelier was going up. And like they dropped the curtain. And I was like, oh my god, like this is epic and I was like I want to be involved in YAI and so I like got in touch with Rolando and turns out he's also a voice teacher and I was like cool can I have a sample lesson with you and I have been taking from him like since then wow yeah Rachel and I have many similarities in our our journeys. I'm learning even more than I knew which is that my journey with YAA started also with watching the amazing production of Phantom of the Opera, which um, Adima, I was telling you right before we started, I was scrolling through the seasons um, of YAA and it's impossible to believe that that was part of the inaugural season because it was such a stunning show. I knew of it because 
one of my best friends in the whole world was in that production. And it was a little bit of a drive. I'm from Virginia, so I have to travel up the Beltway. It's worth all of it. And like Rachel, I was just super stunned by that production. And that was the first time Rachel Hahn and I were ever in the same oh room. <laughs> <laughs> we just didn't know each other yet. It's a very large room, though. Yes. Um, and, and so just like Rachel, I was totally hooked. I said, I have to be part of this. This is absolutely amazing. At the time, I didn't realize it was just the start of all that was to come, not only for me, but also for the organization. Um, so I think I did practically every single production I could until I graduated after that moment. I would love to hear individually from both of you how you came to choose the colleges you went to. Um, Rachel, you going to Boston Conservatory and Wesley, you going to University of Virginia. I would love to know if YA had like any influence on that, your upbringing, performing arts had any influence on that. I feel like I should go back a little bit before college. Opera was never, ever in my, um, like, range of vision for my life. I was, like, Miss Broadway tapper, like, shelter, <laughs> like, ready to be on Broadway. And my voice teacher in middle school required all of his students to do the, I don't remember what competition it was, um, but we had to do both musical theater and classical categories. And so I was, like, sort of forced into learning some classical pieces and he was like oh and by the way you're definitely a soprano and I was like "Mm, that seems wrong but okay (laughs) and I fell in love with it immediately I was like wow like this is so interesting I'm singing in other languages I don't know I just it sort of fits my personality better and so when I switched to taking lessons from Rolando I was like okay well I guess I have to start thinking about college now too and He and I also did both classical musical theater for a while, and then we sort of just focused on classical music. And when it came time to applying for colleges, I didn't want to go to a conservatory. It was my last choice. I wanted to double major in psychology and voice. um, And I had gone to the BOCO Vocal Choral Intensive, which is like a summer program that they do for classical singers. And I was like, okay, like, I really like this. The teachers were really nice. Like, Boston is awesome. Like, I'll apply. Like, hopefully I'll get in because I did the camp. Um, And my top choice had been BU. And I was the only school I didn't end up getting into. And I was like, okay. (laughs) I was like, well, I guess I'll go to BOCO. Like, they gave me the most amount of money. And, like, I know it's a good program. And, like, I don't know, maybe psychology can wait. Or I can, like, figure out how to do it somewhere else. Um, And it's honestly, like, the best decision I made. I loved Boko every second of it even though it was a little bit chaotic at times I think that's probably the same for most music programs Um, but I loved it I loved Boko. That's great to hear Rachel I'm glad it was such a such an awesome experience and I know I've toured Boston Conservatory and it's just so beautiful. It's so beautiful and old I love it. (laughs) Yeah that this is this is one of the differences between Rachel and I is (laughs) one of the few um but but like Rachel, I was really late to the game in in deciding to be passionate about opera or discovering a passion for opera. Um, and even more so, I was really late to the game in deciding to pursue the arts professionally at all. And I can remember still this moment. So I took voice lessons with Rolando in high school as well. And I remember July of 2017 coming into my senior year, I said, Rolando, I think and this actually, all of this thought came from the YAA Summer Institute. 
um, because that's when I realized all these people were thinking about pursuing the arts and I just hadn't really considered it as an option. Um, and I remember saying to Rolando, I really want to audition for music schools. And he said, okay, great. Like, you're coming into your junior year. We have plenty of time. And I was like, no. <laughs> and anybody who studies with Rolando knows that he likes, like it's very much about choosing your own repertoire, finding what you're passionate about. This is the one time ever he was like, sing this and this and this and this and this. Uh, I'm jealous. <laughs> because we had, to, we had to get through it, right? Um, and so I had a really crazy audition season and I was totally immature in the sense that I had no idea what I wanted, where I wanted to go. Has much changed for that? Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so I found myself with some options and for many, many reasons. Um, one big one being a Virginia resident and in-state tuition, uh, University of Virginia was just the smartest choice. Mm -hmm. And, um, I can't say that I was like the most excited about it as some people are going into it and now being able to look back on it, being somebody who enjoys being a a jack of all trades and doing all kinds of things. It was perfect to be able to really dive into the arts, to explore other things. I entered saying that I was going to major in music and international relations. And after my first semester, I said, "Mm -mm, music and drama (laughs) and um, being at a university, you know, the kind of the, the offerings that exist were not as robust as say at Boston Conservatory, but there's so many opportunities to create your own adventure. For example, Rachel and I studied in Italy together one summer and I was able to get a lot of support from the university for that and for other um, institutes that I attended as well as being able to fund and self-produce both a musical and an opera that I directed and performed in at the university. So uh, this is a message to everybody out there. Conservatories are great. Also think about a larger institution where something is maybe more unique. There's a lot of um, opportunities to get support and to put something up that you can create. The people at YA were so helpful in the college experience, like the college audition process. And like, I'm pretty sure I had recommendations from people at YA and like everyone couldn't have been more supportive and I don't think it would have mattered what I had majored in. Like they would have had my back, which was comforting to know. I would just love to hear how you equally both like fell into what you're doing today. I think at least for me, I knew that I wasn't really vocally ready to go straight from undergrad to grad school. Like I, I think that there's still more cooking to be done <laughs> with technique. But when Wesley and I were in Italy, we met Betsy Bishop and Ariana Zuckerman and they were running a group called Potomac Vocal Institute. So I moved home um, after graduation and I did Potomac Vocal Institute's um, professional development program. I think that's what they were calling it. Mm-hmm. You got um, it. Nice. <laughs> and I also had uh, an arts administration internship um, at the Kennedy Center and Washington National Opera. I was the um, intern for the K. Fritz Young Artist Program. And then I was an intern for... Uh, Washington Concert Opera, which got cut short by COVID. And I hadn't really thought about grad school in that year. Um, I still felt like I needed some more time. But I'm actually sort of grateful for the year that I had. I learned a lot. And now I'm ready to audition for schools. I think like basically every artist alive, especially today, we all have to wear many, many, many hats. And gosh, just, just like I never really planned to be passionate about opera, I didn't set out at one point to say, I'm going to teach, that's what I want to do. And actually, while I was at UVA, I 
was connected to a really high level children's theater in town and started working with them really just for a couple summer camps. And I really loved it. And I was really surprised actually that it, it was something I was good at. <laughs> and right away I had some inquiries for, for voice lessons. And I said, I don't know about this, but I'll try it. Mm-hmm. I can remember the first ever voice lesson I gave, which was hilarious. It was in, I lived in this, um, kind of dingy house off grounds and I had just moved in and there was nothing in the house and I knew this family so so it was all okay but I remember we walked in and and the mom of the student was like I need to help you with this place (laughs) 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 because there was literally nothing except my keyboard um and it's something I kept doing all through school and and then grew so I graduated and I stayed in Charlottesville for most of the week to keep my teaching going, which at that point was full time Um, between teaching voice lessons. um, I ran a couple choirs. I was directing shows and music directing shows um, at at various places and then coming up to DC and and doing my studies too a couple of days a week. Um, And then I, in 2019, I attended classic lyric arts, which is, um, I most think of it as like the, the pre-professional opera version of what I did with YAA. And I ended up starting working with them. And I was I was kind of actively looking for something administrative, something to, to as I said at the time, scratch that organizational itch. Because for me, it's very grounding to have um, tasks that feel more managerial, perhaps. And um, I ended up starting to work for Classic Lyric Arts and now I run their marketing, which is really awesome. And it's been a great opportunity that has grown and grown and grown and has taught me so much about how to manage myself as a singer, myself as a business owner with my teaching. Um, I think that's really the key is that we do all these things and they all inform everything. So that's all to say that um, just like I think performing sneaks up on most of us, uh, the teaching very much did too, and now has become at least as important as performing to me as mm-hmm. anything else. It's just is, it's so fulfilling. It's it's an act of service, and I think that's what we're often looking for in performance is is a way to serve. And as a young artist, especially in the classical industry, it is so challenging to find ways to serve because it's all about service of your career, service of yourself as you try to have a career or at least that's how it feels in this moment. And so teaching is a really beautiful way to feel in service of others directly. <laughs> I got nervous. Um, I'm, yeah. Okay, well, I'm not nearly as qualified and as accomplished of a teacher as Wesley. Oh my gosh, um, lies, <laughs> lies. <laughs> but um, I started doing teaching. We took a pedagogy class at Boca. It was required our senior year. And then I ended up taking a, um, workshop online, like I, I got a certification of pedagogy from Kevin Wilson at Boston Conservatory, which was super interesting. And we like learned about acoustics and we learned about anatomy. And we learned about like the science of music and the science of teaching. And I found that very fascinating. Um, and now I like have a little Zoom studio. I have like six students and I'm looking to expand on that. Um, and it's been really interesting. And like Wesley said, I think the, the thing that I've enjoyed the most about it is yes, the acts of service and the the fulfillment of like when you when you kind of connect with that student, you're like, oh, like you get it, like you did the thing, like yeah, and they're 
they're so excited. They're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't realize that I could do that. Or like, I didn't know that's what you were saying until just now. Um, but it also informs my own singing so much. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, why is my student having trouble with this? What is a different way that I could say this or um, explain it that would make sense to them? And like, how can I do, how can I do an example? That's that's really interesting, Rachel. It's something I've thought a lot about is the hands-off, hands-on approach. And this just goes into my own philosophy. I think it's really productive as we grow as a society in what this in, in just the power relationship between a teacher and a student. I think it's great that we've had this time where we have to be hands-off because I think there are so many times where we're unnecessarily hands-on or unnecessarily demonstrative in the way that let me show you how it's done or like let me make your body do it and i just don't think that's what it's about i've been studying regularly with a teacher online this past year and i've also met a lot of teachers in lessons online and there's some power that the student gains in the virtual experience there's the safety of having my own space and yeah. being able i really feel like i'm able to bring more of myself as the student to the lesson and it's less kind of master dictating and I think that's priceless. Yeah. And the other thing too is like you're not going to have your teacher on stage with you or in mm. the audition room with you. You don't want your student dependent on you or dependent on like, you know, you pushing against their ribs to like get this one phrase out. Mm-hmm. As a teacher, like you want your students to be able to do the thing by themselves. Thank you both for all of these like little nuggets. It's so like cool <laughs> to like hear your teacher brains because I mean, it's definitely not something that I think about. Um, so the last question that I have for both of you, um, well, I guess formal question I have for both of you is what advice would you like to give to the next generation of YAA? I guess if I had advice, it's so hard not to be general, but I think that's kind of what advice is. I would say do everything you can and meet everybody you can. And w- when you identify obstacles to doing everything you can or everything you want to do, problem solve. If if there's a scheduling thing, well, then that's a that's a kind of look at all of your commitments and, and prioritize and, and you can do what you really want to do. If the issue, you know, is budgetary, ask people for help. Usually if you ask for help or if you kind of if you if you even say, like, I really want to do this, I don't know how to do it. There's a there's a way almost always. And I know why is so good at meeting people where they are. And at the same time, don't feel pressure to do everything in one single breath because you can't. So do do everything you can to the limit of being able to really do the thing and not just flip from here to there to everywhere. And and um, I would say allow yourself to immerse, which means to do lots, but also to absorb. I think just be yourself. I think it's so important to just be authentically you and not apologize for it. And if there's something that you want, do that thing. And if it's music, amazing. If it's anything in theater, amazing. If it's not, even better. You know, like, you shouldn't feel pressure to do anything that you don't want to do. But at the same, in the same breath, like, if there's something that you're seeing or something that you want that you're not seeing, make it happen for yourself. I think that there's so much to say about people who make opportunities for themselves in whatever field it is that they're studying or wanting to study. I had one more thing pop into mind, if I may, which is um, never feel like you're not ready to try something. 
that was a lovely double negative. But I just know that there are things I haven't tried or auditions I haven't taken because I didn't feel like I was yet worthy or like it was worthwhile or there was a good chance of success. And this is all about putting yourself out there. Like Rachel said, be yourself, which is to be true about where you are in the moment. It doesn't matter where you are right now because next year you will be a different artist and a different person and a stronger person and a more knowledgeable and talented person. And you drive the car however fast you want to go at, at your progress. And so try today. Why not? Thank you both so much for those words of wisdom and advice. What I love to end off with people on the podcast is a couple of rapid fire questions. So first thing that comes to mind, okay? You ready? I'm scared. Alrighty. <laughs> what is your favorite YAA production or experience that you participated in? Miss Saigon slash Madam Butterfly. Um, when we did West Side Story slash Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Oh, I the, saw that. That was so good. I was, I was, I was set to have graduated before that. Yeah. What is your favorite piece of opera? La Traviata. I can I say my three? Yeah, that's I can't fine. pick one. Okay. Um. Okay. Actually, four. So we've got Lucia di Lammermoor by we and um Tosca, and then Eugenio Negin by Tchaikovsky, and also Iolanta by Tchaikovsky which is like a one act, which is super weird and cool. And I love it. I would like to say my favorite musical too. Oh, because, yes. Because why not? That um, was my last question. Oh, no. Okay, go ahead. I'm waiting very patiently. Can you tell patience is one of my great, my great talents? <laughs> last question. What is your favorite musical? My favorite musical is definitely Parade. And I'm very sad to have been too old to participate in Parade with YAA, but I am very grateful to have been able to have worked with Jason Robert Brown on Songs for a New World. So can't really complain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My favorite musical is 42nd Street. Ooh, tapping. Yes. First of all, tap is the best thing in the whole world. Um, It's super old school and I, I just love it. It's like all the things about theater that I love minus the misogyny that comes with the you know time period that it was written and set in but it's amazing nonetheless Uh, well thank you both for sitting down with me to chat today it was so great hearing just about your experiences and what you've done to be the teachers and the people that you are today so thank you so much thanks so much for having us yeah thank you this is all of us signing off from the reprise. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you. (laughs) The reprise is produced by Annie Fang, Jamie Joyen Waldorf, and Rachel Hahn, and hosted by myself, Adima Essien. We hope you subscribe and leave a rating on whichever platform you are listening to the reprise on. You can follow us at YAA alum on Instagram or visit www.yaa.org slash alumni to find out more information. Thanks for listening and we hope you tune in for the next episode of The Reprise.